Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. It's episode three hundred. Then we will fight in the shade, gentlemen. <laughs> Happy three hundred, boys. That's literally all we're going to talk know. about. It's, we're done. The, that, that's the, the, uh, we're not we're not going to make a big deal. Is Vince hates anniversary episodes so much that I I promise I wouldn't make a big deal of it. So here we are. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we left the audience on a cliffhanger last week. Vince was going to say which quarterback in the NFL was each Robin. So let's start the show off with that, Vince. Which which Robin is which quarterback in the NFL? Oh God. Okay. Um. So, uh, Dick Grayson is Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is um, um, he's like the good boy of the NFL and like he can do no wrong and he's very um performative and. Did you see I, you, you guys don't like watch football or follow sports or anything, but did you guys see the clip I of follow him? a sport? <laughs> well, yes. Okay. Yeah. Football. The only sport that matters. Um, the beautiful game, as it were. Um, there was a clip of Russell. <laughs> there was a clip of Russell Wilson. So he uh, he tore a ligament or something in uh, one of his you fingers. Guys just text me when we're done with this. I'll be right back. <laughs> And, uh, and so he can't throw the football right now. And so he's not playing for a few games, but he went out before their last game. And he did this like fake, uh, thing where he was like practicing and directing, uh, an offense, an invisible offense that wasn't there. And he was doing it all on his own with a camera on him so that they would talk about it before the game. And everybody would know how, how seriously he takes his rehab and how, how much he cares and how much he misses being out there with his guys, you know? That's Dick Grayson. Um, Jason Todd is. You said this uh, one on the show last week. You said it was Tom Brady last Tom week. Tom Brady, because because Tom Brady's the worst. And uh, would, Jason, would, would Jason Todd kiss his tongue, kiss his son on the mouth? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. If, it, if it would gain him the, the power to, the, to to not age and to live forever and to keep that to keep that white streak out of his hair. Yes, okay. he would. He would do that. Um, who's next? Do we want to say Steph? I would say Tim next. If we're going in, in proper Tim, order. I Tim, next. Tim next. Yeah. Tim Drake is, um, oh God, Tim Drake is, uh, let's say Tim Drake is Joe Burrow. Cause he's, he's up and coming. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's got a lot of talent um he's on the rise not a lot of people are talking about him yet uh but they will be soon and i feel like that's what tim that's where tim has been um recently um steph brown next yeah um let's see steph brown the spoiler this is probably the hardest one because like how do you you know um let's see Steph Brown is this is Shailene Woodley. Yeah, there you go. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, don't be sexist. Uh, <laughs> she can be a she can be a male quarterback. Steph Brown is um um Baker Mayfield because uh uh I don't know why it just seems it just seems like it's right. <laughs> and uh, but I the one I want to get to is Damien. Damien is obviously Aaron Rodgers. Why is that? 
because Aaron Rodgers is a, a, a bad man who has like a photographic memory. He's never been wrong. Uh, and he has killed before and may kill again. So, okay. Fair enough. All, All right. right. Let's get to these comics. First of all, we're going to do a sweep of fear state the last month or so. Um, I don't want to get too specific into this. So and I'm sure Vince feels the same way. Um, but Zach, you said you're going to come out hot with this one. So why don't you start our discussion of this? I like fear state. That's well, all. you're wrong. <laughs> no, I, I kind of do. I think, uh, it's, um, it's not the best thing that tie-ins done on Batman so far, but as far as like a crossover, it's, I think the second month is much better than the first month. I like what some of the books are doing and how they kind of weave in and out with each other. Um, like, you know, there's a little like crossover going on between Catwoman and Harley Quinn. Um, and then like Nightwing stuff is feeding into the, the Batgirl story, which the Batgirl story kind of feeds into the Batwoman story and urban legends. And so there's a lot of like cool interconnectivity between all of those, which I feel like wasn't really there in the first month. And like, that's what makes a really good crossover to me when there's things weaving out in fun ways. You don't have to have read everything to get enjoyment from the story you're reading for, for most of them, it seems like. Um, but you get that added level of enjoyment when you are reading everything um and i still think like i think the two issues of batman that came out in october and then the uh the penultimate issue that came out this week um were pretty cool actually i think like there's a lot of interesting stuff in here especially like the poison ivy stuff that i wish tanya had maybe had another arc to deal with later on it kind of feels like maybe he is folding some ideas he had for later down the line into fear state since he's not going to have time to do it later um but i really like that stuff i still i really like the stuff with the insanity collective and how all that is playing out i think miracle molly's a cool character um i actually i i guess i'm like the least invested in like the peacemaker peacekeeper 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 peacemaker is sexy john cena yeah yeah the peacekeeper stuff but even that isn't like bad and like the peacekeeper one shot which again didn't need to be 30 odd pages um but like i feel like that fleshed out that character in a pretty interesting way and makes everything like um a bit more satisfying and with what's going on in the main Batman title and everything that we've known about him before. I just feel like it's still pretty intricate in its, in the way that the plot is crafted. I think like the politics of everything is still a little wishy-washy, wishy-washy, a little on the nose sometimes too much. So um, pretty ham-fisted, but overall I'm, I think it's, pretty good i don't think it's going to 
wrap up in a very satisfying way. That's my prediction, but I enjoyed the three issues that I read catching up to this point. Vince, I have a feeling that as usual, I'm going to fall somewhere in between you two. So why don't you go next and then I'll, I'll fill out the middle at the end. It's funny because I, I, uh, I do agree with Zach that it is more interconnected. That's something I noticed, um, especially with two aspects. One, the stuff with uh, Bab shutting down Oracle and then moving on to Oracle 2, um, which is kind of like the new Coke. It'll be around forever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, the other thing was the Eden stuff with Poison Ivy and the, the quote-unquote good half of Ivy or whatever. All that stuff kind of wove through a, a multitude of books this month. So it did feel a little more like, you know, a, a month ago, uh, we kind of all bemoaned and mo- mostly Zach that, that it wasn't really the Hickman X-Men style crossover that was pitched to us. I think this month it was closer to that. while still not really holding my in. Like it did, do all that stuff. You're right. But none of it really held my interest. All the stuff from these issues um, that comprised Fear State this month, anything that I liked about them did not have to do with Fear State. It was stuff the book was doing outside of Fear State or parallel to Fear. It was stuff the books would have been doing anyway without Fear State, if that makes sense. So, for example, like to me, the, the best thing about Nightwing was the Dick and Babs stuff that had nothing to do with just their relate, just exploring their relationship a little more. Really had nothing to do with Fear State. Um, in Catwoman, I continue to be interested in the White Witch and whatever the deal with this villain is, but I'm not interested in the connection to Fear State. Um, you can't get me to care about Peacekeeper at all. Um, and like what's another example harley quinn i think harley quinn is the best issue of the month out of these out of these uh, fear state titles because it's still mostly doing the thing that harley quinn was doing before fear state and i think like the hugo strange batman stuff is so fun and it's so uh satisfying to see riley rosmo go nutty with that um and then the 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 thing where the, you know, Kevin, the, the Harley's uh, big uh, ex villain, ex Joker gang member, buddy or whatever, that's trying to become a hero. That stuff is really touching and, and kind of sad, but also hopeful. And that storyline is really, really has my attention, but it's got nothing to do with fear state so none of the stuff that has anything to do with fear state do i really care about but i but i agree with you that it is it is at least integrating that stuff better and more comprehensively brian do you fall in the middle of us i do um so i think that the actual issues of batman the last three we've gotten have been good and i think that that is just enough of the fear state story that i need Like, if I had just read those issues of Batman, I'd have been perfectly okay with this as a, quote, bat event, and I'd be happy to continue with my life 
without reading these other books. But I did read these other books. And I think that, you know, Harley Quinn has used this, like you said, Vince, to continue to tell the story that was being told in Harley Quinn beforehand. And so I think that that's been good. The first issue of Nightwing in Fear State was basically Tom Taylor, like bitching about having to do Fear State. (laughs) Um, And the second issue was a, like you said, just a really good Babs and Dick story. You know how I'm, how I am with Babs and Dick that I, that, uh, you know, they're my OTP and I, I just want to get more stories about them being afraid of losing each other because they're so in love all the time. So like, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that piece of, of fear state. But like you said, that has nothing to do with fear state. Um, I actually really enjoyed the issue of detective comics from this month, but it's not fear state. Like there's, I understand that technically it is fear state, but it's so tonally different that it almost isn't the same storyline at all. And I read, I am Batman and that I will say this, that at least made it clear. This is happening now in fear state. Like the first (laughs) issue, this one was clear that it's happening now. Um, But yeah, no, no Coipel art though. No, no Coipel art at all. Yeah, no, sorry, no shade on Segovia, yeah. but um, one one thing I would, I think the like clearest praise I can give to all of the bat books right now, I guess like sans a few of them, um, won't name names. The, the art is incredibly good across the line right now. Yes, with, with Dan Mora and Jorge Jimenez and Riley Rosmo and Bruno Redondo as just like the regular artists on these books. Yeah, it's pretty hard to top those guys. Like that's yeah, and like um, who who's on? Is it Jorge Corona? Is that who's on? Yes, the Batgirls. Mm, yeah, backup. Yes. That's that was really good. Dave David Latham on uh, the tech backup. Mm-hmm. Um, who who did the um the Clown Hunter backup? That was really good too. Um, oh yeah, that was uh that was Jason Howard. Jason Howard, yes, that was good. Um, Catwoman looks good. I don't remember who the artist was on that, but it uh, also looked Catwoman good. Catwoman was it were two artists. It was Laura Braga and Nina Vakuva. Okay, Batman had a fill in with Bengal. That was good. Yeah, well, it was um, Bengal and him and us kind of sharing pages. And, and sure, yeah, I, I just meant fill in and, yeah. and as much as yeah. And I should I should say uh, Robbie Rodriguez filled in on Nightwing, but did an excellent job as well. That was good. Yeah, um, feel like even the Peacemaker artist who's someone i'm not familiar with joshua hickson um, that was excellent yeah yeah, that yeah it, really it, good. it was kind of like a horror uh a um uh fornes kind of like a fornes style kind of like if you took um, fornes and danny and kind of mixed yeah. them up a little bit you get that yeah 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 so like just across yeah and then talking about like danny on arkham city which we um you know we already kind of talked about that book when it came out but just across and, and the we'll, line and we'll talk about books, it again tonight Oh yeah, you're right. That is tonight. I forget what we're even talking about. Um, yeah, the bad books look incredible right now. Yes, they do, and uh, we should really celebrate that. Uh, mm-hmm. So here's what I'll say: I, I feel like the fear state stuff is like every other good bat crossover of the last, let's call it ten years, which is that. I think that all the good bat crossovers have more or less had good main stories and then have burned me out on the tie-ins. I mean, we can go back to 
Court of Owls. We can go back to uh, Zero Year to a certain degree. Like, I think all these books just DC wants all the Bat books to connect all the time. And that's not always the best thing for the stories themselves. And so I I think that the the stuff that we can look at as like the core stuff has been really good. And I think that the books that have been good overall are finding ways through this. It's just that when something is bad, like, for instance, the story in that uh, Peacekeeper story, like that's when that stuff is bad, it's just so egregiously boring like it's not it's not bad because it's taking a huge swing and a miss it's bad because it's just who gives a fuck right and i feel like that stuff for me is way less forgiving or i'm way less forgiving with that stuff than i would be if it was a gigantic swing and a miss it because it's just it just comes off as as dull and unnecessary so i guess i'm more towards zach than vince but still somewhere in the middle. The thing that my, well, wait a minute. Are we talking more in depth about the, about Batman 116 or are we just including that as part of fear state? We'll just include that as part of, uh, well, no, we'll talk about that and Arkham and Arkham city a little bit more in depth in a minute. So this was sort of our October check-in with fear state. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Anything else to say about them then? Mm, No. Okay, then, then let's, let's I, get over. I just really like the energy. I think, I think, um, I, I think I like this better than Joker War. I'll say that. I think I probably do also. But I feel like with a lot of times with, 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 with and this is, this is probably more on me than anything else, with these bat crossovers, as soon as they're over, I forget what happened in them. Yeah. Sure. And so because I'm reading this one, I like this one more. <laughs> yeah. And I know Vince will disagree with this because he disliked the preceding arc of Batman that led into this. But I, I always think like the arc leading up to the event has been better. Like that the dark designs arc that led up to Joker War was better <laughs> than Joker War. I think the preceding arc of Batman was better than this arc. So um, that's my take. Joker War would have been better if the Joker actually died at the end, like he was supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's often true. I, I think that all these <laughs> yeah. arcs would be better if they had actual consequences. But this is American comics we're talking about. And so yeah, I know very rarely does that stuff happen. I know. OK, so let's let's talk about let, let's let's not spend like a full time period here on uh arkham city number two written by dan waters illustrated by danny one of my comments on this is just and if you look ahead to the solicits this continues to be true that sam wolf Connolly is doing the covers and they are some sandman ass covers and i mean that in the best possible way <laughs> yeah like the, these have very strong 1992 vertigo vibes to the covers um so this book, which is I, interesting, because like it kind of eschews the whole like standard DC trade dress right now. Yes, well, it does. well, st- well, still being a part of Fear State, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wild shit. It is wild shit. Uh, it's good. It, and and saying that this is part of Fear State is, um, you know, part of that is insane because this looks and feels nothing like Fear State. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it. 
if there weren't a cu- if it's just a couple of words in the script were changed, you would not know this was a Fear State tie-in. No. At all. Yeah, uh, and it's almost more brought in by like other books referencing like, oh, Ten-Eyed Man is gone, you know, or is escaped. Yes. I think that was mentioned in one of the other books or something, but um, yeah, it's clearly doing its own thing and having a great time with it. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's fantastic. Like that's, again, like see, to me, I would much rather take this than what we're getting in tech, even though I think what we're getting in tech is good. It's just not, if you're going to do a not real tie-in, then really go full on and tell your own story. And this this feels like it's very much its own story uh, as opposed to trying to fit into the Fear State narrative. But I love how, I love how mysterious this book is. There's a lot of stuff that, that comes up each month that feels like a a really good building mystery the way you get on like a um in, in a novel or in a uh, TV show where when you get like halfway through the season of a, of a good TV show and you're just starting to think you know what the mystery is and then it kind of changes the scope of it I feel like each issue so far I know it's only two issues though has really like solidified and refined what this story is and it's totally different at the end of each week than I think it's going to be and I love that I love the surprise involved with this book and it just looks great Danny is doing such great work here uh Vincy what do you think of this I am over the moon about this book I fucking love it um Zach you called the first issue a 10 and I said uh, oh whoa slow down there uh King you know Trinity boy yeah, no, no, I, I, you were closer to right than 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 I think I gave you credit for. I mean, as much of a ten as as a a book with the title Arkham City could be, you know. Sure, yeah, as big of a ten as a like main universe in DC book could be, you know. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And and the funny thing is, is that like with the title Arkham City, you could almost it could almost be suggested that that is a reference to the video game series, which makes it even more bonkers. I mean, it's not it, like expressly. This is not a v- tie into that video game, but yeah, you right. know, th- that is a phrase that they've trademarked for the there video. There have been game. Arkham City comic books. Previously. Yes. <laughs> right. So y- right. You, you would be forgiven for being mistaken and they're probably <laughs> counting on, you know, yes. Joe Blow to like make that mistake yeah <laughs> oh man could you imagine like being uh never mind <laughs> um, uh yeah i was gonna say something i was gonna say something mean but uh no this book just rocks so hard and the sprinkling Azrael in there is such a good touch because um so the whole point so far is to show these villains as like very damaged or um kind of unhinged dark very dark versions of them kind of even more so than the than the regular average batman story right um it it reaches back to the morrison arkham asylum stuff a little bit in that regard right like these are villains we've seen before some of them are silly uh, some of them we've seen a lot but you know here's a darker look at them like double x double x now is a guy who gives off a high from his touch that people come to a dealer's basement and touch just to get this high from. Right. Um, 
adding Asriel to that mix and making Asriel, well, like, you know, Asriel's been a, a villain figure or an anti-hero, sometimes a hero, more recently a hero, actually, you know. But now the, the Asriel we're seeing here is a little darker, a little more unhinged. I do think there is a bit of a tongue in cheek element. Like I feel like, I feel like when Azrael's receiving the word of God, you know, like the, the, as a reader, we're supposed to be like, Oh, that like kind of whips, but in like an ironic way, you know, like, Oh, he, he's taking this very seriously, you know, but I think it's supposed to also be a little silly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think like, Asriel's really the thing that put the icing on the cake for this for me, because it's the other side of these villains that he's for lack of a better word, hunting. Right. Mm -hmm. But he's just as messed up as they are, you know? And yeah, I just, ah, waters and Danny have like the perfect alchemy here for what they're going for. I think. I'm gushing. I love this book. I, yeah, I think it's I can tell. deserved <laughs> praise. It's good. <laughs> um, this is, I think, maybe like the most evergreen thing DC has done in a long time. Like, you know, just that we were, we were talking a lot um, <laughs> last week about the Batman the Long Halloween type thing. And it kind of made me think about how few just kind of like singular standalone stories that DC does anymore that are like ostensibly in continuity. And this just like scratches the itch for those type of stories that I remember hearing about and getting into when I first got into comics. A lot of that stuff like that was big in the late 90s, early 2000s. It's just it's just really neat. I like it a lot. Um, this creative team is really good. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get over the Ten-Eyed Man design. It's just... Oh, it's so good. The way, it's the way that Ten-Eyed Man is like slinking around uh, Dr. Joy's office, <laughs> like over the bookshelves and... God. It recalls like something you've seen before in like a fantasy movie or a horror movie you know but like we've seen that character that like slides around the background and and like does acrobatics very slowly in a very creepy way right like that's 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 imagery we've seen somewhere before mm-hmm. um and and just applied here in a very effective manner um, it's like it's like horror that's like playing upon a concept you've you think you've seen before, you know, but but maybe not in a bat comic. I yeah, I don't know. And the stuff about like, uh, are they really seeing through the ten eyes in their fingers? How is that even biologically possible? Right. Like, that was good. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. the the way the double X stuff was visualized yeah was incredible yeah um just very surreal like only only stuff you can do in comics kind of stuff you know Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Just really great use of the medium. Um, I, I can't give enough praise for this book. Yeah, I, I, I have nothing to add or uh, disagree with there. I think this is fantastic. And I, I'm really interested to see where this book goes. How many, how many issues is this? Six, is it eight, six? Okay. I'm interested to see where this goes after Fear State. Because it's, it's weird that this, usually if a miniseries is launched in the middle of a crossover, it is there to serve the crossover. Uh, yeah, but, that could no. Yeah. So this is just very strange that there's this book that was started that that's ostensibly part of this crossover, but is only going to be part of it for two or three months, and it's going to be its own thing. It's just a very I, I can't remember another situation like this. You, you know why? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but even though it is part of the crossover, they don't even put Fear State on the cover. Correct. Am I, am I right about yes. that? You are okay. right about that. Yes. Yeah. So all that is then is 100 percent a marketing effort by DC to get people to buy this book because they think it's tied into something. And the only way that it is, is the escapees from Arkham, which has really nothing to do with fear state. It's just the thing that kind of led to fear state. Right. So really it's not even a fear state tie in. It's an infinite frontier <laughs> right. status yes. quo tie in. Yes. Right. So this will all be addressed by either a, a, a page of prose in the collection that says like previously in Gotham city or a couple of extra editors boxes when it's collected in trade. Sure. That's it. That's the only connection to uh fear state. This really has, um, but let's, let's move over to Batman one sixteen, um, which is as, as has been for the last you know year or so written by James Stein and the fourth illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. Um, so Vince, you had a comment about this specifically beyond sort of our, our October Fear State check-in. So what what did you want to start with for this? All, all I wanted to say was reading issue 116 and seeing all these plot points like start to align or start to converge and then seeing the last page and having it say like, you know, Fear State ends next month or something like, or, you know, next issue, the end or whatever. Yeah. I absolutely cannot wait to read. I cannot wait to get the next issue of Batman in our box. Skip right to the part where I can see that it says epilogue. <laughs> and then and then read exactly why and how Bruce is leaving Gotham and all the falling action and and everything that's going to set up Williamson's run. <laughs> that's and comics, that's baby. Well, so that's know, comics so you... baby. That's how we do it. Here is where you're incorrect. That's gonna happen in Fear State Omega. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. Ah! Fuck. <laughs> You're not wrong about that, but it's gonna happen in Fear State Omega. Actually, no, I think I am right. I understand what you're saying, uh, Brian, but Fear State Omega will just turn the like two-page epilogue into a 40-page comic. <laughs> no, Fear State Omega will be the end of Fear State in earnest. The epilogue will have nothing to do with Fear State. It will just be pure setup to Williamson's run. Possibly. Okay, I could see that. I could see that. Um, I did want to say about this issue, I think that it's it's kind of insane, but kind of impressive how much has changed with Peacekeeper 1 since their introduction. 
like this character has gone through like five years worth of character development, not well, in like six months worth of comics. That is cool. I, I, I think it's actually kind of ballsy to take this character. Like, I feel like if this were the 90s and Tynion was going to be on Batman for five or six years, this character would have been introduced in year two, but the scene of him shooting Scarecrow would have happened in year six or something. But this all got had, this all got got in like, I mean, this got tied up in, is, is it six months or so? Right? Eight months, whatever it is. Yeah, eight eight ish months. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's crazy how much how how much happened in that time with this character, who I really don't care about still. So I'm not yeah. saying it was well done. It's just that the character has progressed quite a bit. Well, I th- I think like the coolest thing about this issue and and kind of this arc in general is just seeing like half this book is just cool Tanyan creations doing stuff. You know, like you've got ghost maker you've got this these two you this this like crazy queen ivy you've got miracle molly you've got peacemaker peacekeeper um you've got who else am i forgetting that the gardener did you say the gardener the garden no i yeah i forgot about the, the gardener yeah um, well, I don't, but I don't really know what why the gardener's there honestly. right no like, i know i know cool. they Right. Yes. You also got, like, we did. You mention uh, Mayor Nakano, who's like a big part of the tech stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Clown Hunter, who his you know backup just ended, but you presumably is going to show up for the finale of this. You know, I'm just extremely impressed with everything that Tynion has created in his relatively short run, and like how much he's kind of endeared me to a lot of these characters. Um, I don't know. I just think it's neat. Holds up a potato. (laughs) (laughs) That's my Marge grunt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, me. (laughs) I don't need her at all now. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Once again, I uh, I think everything Zach says is true while also not caring about any of it. <laughs> like all that stuff, all that stuff he just said about all these new characters. Yes, they are very cool. But like, I feel like here's my problem. I, I feel like I don't know what Ghostmaker, why is Ghostmaker is there anymore? You know, because he's because he's because he's, he's cool. Because he's, cool. he's, he's cool and his buddy needs him. He's cool. Yeah, that's all comics are. That's you're all right. Cape comics are. Fuck, you're right. God damn it. Unless there are some city or, or Superman and the Authority. Yeah, those comics really spoil. Like, that's just it. I I don't think these comics are bad. The, these these tiny batman comics I, I i don't i really i don't want like people to get the impression that i think they're bad they're actually but, quite good compared to some of the others <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is is that like man when you read a really good comic like a really really good one like like arkham city or like superman and the authority that is just operating on these different levels um 
and you pair that with a, a comic and a writer that likes to do these like long decompressed eventy type arcs. Uh, it just doesn't. Oh, it's just not the optimal delivery system for my tastes. I, I, I totally understand that. I, I think that that's valid. My point would be that. How, uh, let me, let me think of how I want to say this. I think that. You, we, we can't expect DC to suddenly not do stuff like this. No, right? I think, no. Like th- this is just this is what you get from superhero comics. And I feel like everything in Fear State thus far has been as good or better than anything Bendis gave us in Superman. And I would rather read this than read like a year or two years of Bendis' Superman because this feels like it has more going for it than that does. One of the things that's driven me crazy about Bendis, I just wrote about this in the soliciting column this week, is I feel like although Bendis has done a lot at DC, nothing Bendis has done so far has felt important, and I hate that word, but like nothing has felt like, I don't know if anyone's going to say one day like, oh, when Bendis came to DC, he really made his mark with this story. Like nothing, maybe the first Man of Steel thing where he aged up John, maybe that's the closest he's gotten to doing something that feels like, you know, significant and memorable. Whereas I feel like Tanyan has between his like year and a half run, whatever, I think he's set apart. He set himself apart from the average bat writer in a couple of ways. I think he's told some good stories. I think, I think this is far better than the average superhero comic of this like. I just think it's I just think that we're being a little bit picky about the form and not liking the form and maybe not being fair enough to the content. That that's me talking about me right now. I I think I mean I think this is like the best bat run since Morrison. I'm just gonna say that. Are you counting his tech run as part of this? No. I wouldn't. I think if you count the tech run, then I agree with you. I think the tech run on its own is the best one since yeah, I'm yeah, I'm talking, yeah, I guess I'm thinking like specifically bat in, in the pages of Batman the comic. Mm-hmm. Um tech I, is definitely uh, the best that, that, one. Is yeah. that because there was an 85 issue uh run in the middle there that we all fucking hated? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there's, there's, I mean there's that. And what I was going to say is I like I think this is even better than like what Snyder did, honestly. I mean, I liked Snyder's run. Uh... I just think that I mean, we talked, we spent 52 minutes talking about Snyder's run and how there are some like really good arcs in there, but there's also like a lot of, you know, there's Zero Year, which is a good story, but it kind of narratively like killed all the inertia of that run. Yeah, I mean, this thing has just been like going full throttle the whole time. I do. I don't know if I agree with that, but okay. I'm not going to sit here and argue with that anymore. <laughs> I, I think I think it's remarkably similar to the way that Snyder structures his stories, uh, and that's that's all the more I'll say about that. You're probably not wrong about that, but I think I think the way Snyder's New Fifty Two run was told hampered my enjoyment of it a bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I think that I think when you take them both in their totality, ah. there's prob haha. There's probably as many good issues of each. 
that's probably true it's just that i think uh maybe the stuff that snyder did is more bunched together like the good stuff is bunched together as opposed well, to like, you know what what uh Tyne has done which i think has been maybe more consistent i think the other thing too is the fact that they both both runs tried to inter- introduce new characters and Tynions has been much more successful in like succeeding in that. I uh, two, di- two different words of success. I, I, I mean, I we think... just talked about how Duke and Bluebird don't get used. No, but, 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 but I think that that's not on Snyder. He was writing the book though. Like he could have not done zero. I don't want to go see, I don't want to like armchair write the book, but like, I don't know. I mean, I would say this. I would say that nothing that Tynion has done is going to have the impact on a grand scale as Court of Owls did. Court of Owls is one of the five. Uh, I don't know, Punchline, man. I've I already forgot Punchline. Yeah, just... same. I I feel like Court DC of Owls though. is a is a top ten bat story in terms of not in terms of quality necessarily. But in terms of like over like, I would I would temper that in saying that we've had ten years for them to do Court of Owls stuff though like, but 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 you knew it when it was happening. Oh, I but... feel like there's stuff that's in Steinin's run right now that like ten years later will be the there like Ghostmaker will be in in Batman Arkham universe or whatever you know Dude. like. Wait till that Gotham Knights video game comes out that has like the Court of Owls as the the villain backdrop. Uh-huh. That's I I already hear on the dreadful video game podcast I listen to uh, <laughs> people talk about how oh wait do you guys see what the Court of Owls? It's a, one of the greatest uh, bat stories of all time. It's just this insane like super secret society. You know they like go they go people go nuts for that. That's what and, I mean. I, I feel yeah. like nothing that Tynion will do will have that broad of an impact across the board i i i would i mean i don't i won't say you know definitively that i think anything in in tynion's bat run will ever meet that but i also think like i don't think when i first read court of owls that i thought 10 years later there would be a video game that had the court of owls in it okay that's fair we'll meet back here in 10 years and we'll talk about it. We'll still be doing this doing this thing. Yeah. If if we're still here in 10 years, that means that we didn't hit it big in the millions with this uh Patreon and <laughs> I'll be very sad. See, here's the thing. If we made millions on Patreon, I'd still want to do the show. <laughs> oh, I'd no, fun I, doing the show. I would ghost everybody. Thanks, buddy. I Fuck we would y'all. just hire an AI to do it for us. <laughs> <laughs> And I am somewhere in the middle. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Bacala. Yeah. <laughs> like how the AI in my uh, transcription of Jeff Parker's interview thought I asked him about his run on Opera Man. Uh, fantastic. All right, let's take a break. No Black Amanda. <laughs> uh let's uh let's take a break from all this bat stuff and when we come back we'll talk about the rest of this week's book so stay tuned about more bat stuff oh yeah actually yeah we'll talk about more bat stuff so stay tuned hello we're the hosts of the multiversity manga club podcast i'm emily i'm zach and i'm walter 
Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back to talk about yet another Bat book. Uh, Half a Bat book. Uh, Batman Superman The Authority Special, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, illustrated by Trevor Harrison and Ben Templesmith. Uh, Where do we just see Lazarus Resin mentioned? Future State. And and probably in the Fear State book, but it was a big thing. In <sighs> oh, it's it's Robin. in Team Team Four Z. Oh yes, yes, uh, yes. yes. It's, in, it's in or ta- Team task, or task Force Z. Task Force, yeah, Force, yeah, Force Z. Yeah. yeah, it's in yeah. there, but it was in the Future State Robin thing. Yes, um, yeah. I, I just I, I had that as my first note here. Uh, so this this book, uh, I I don't really know what the point of this book is. I'm not saying I'm sad I read it, but I kind of don't know what this is about. I don't oh. know why the story needed to be told. This box, this is really good. I don't, I don't disagree. I think this is good, but, but like, what does this do for any in for any of the stories moving forward? No, I think it's the start of a story. What story? Is I that? don't know if it is. It says, uh, it says at the end. Uh, We'll see our enemies again. I feel like they're gonna come back to this again. Where? In something that Kennedy's doing. I don't know. War World's not gonna last forever. It, it only feels that way. <laughs> it only feels that way because it's not even started. Yet. Yeah, exactly. You could be. You no, could I be, think that you could be right, but this feels more to me like. Oh, we got to squeeze another thing out of this. Uh, uh, authority thing before it starts in earnest um and so what if batman shows up and they do a complete side adventure and even comment about how it's got nothing to do with the like i thought that scene was such a naked exposition where the team's like aren't aren't we supposed to be leaving for war world (laughs) And, and and superman is like uh, that's that's next week. Uh, we have something more important to do right now. You know, it was it was just so like to me. This was set up to just be something like another like a one shot to sell. And I hope you're right, Zach, because I agree. This fucks. Um, I'm just I'm just the least cynical one on this whole podcast. That's right. Um, correct. Absolutely. One hundred. I don't. I don't and think we, that's true. I'm so cynical. Nah, we love you for it. We love you no. for your. I, I think I think that we'll get I think we'll get more of this. I think this will be either like the next uh, a later arc of action or we get an authority ongoing or there's an event. Uh, I this isn't the end of this, I feel. I, I could see Oh, go ahead, Brian. I don't I don't think you're wrong there, Zach, but I don't think that there's necessarily any reason for this right now. Like so I the that's, only thing, I mean, that's a fair point. Sure. Yeah. The only thing I can think of here is that this is in the most chicken shit way possible addressing what we said, which is 
hey, Superman and the Authority doesn't feel like continuity. And this is saying, oh, no, look, it is continuity. Look, we're referencing that, but we're also moving forward to this new thing. So it gives like a little bridge between those two books. Instead of just acknowledging the weirdness somehow, it's just trying to like just sort of paste over that and say, this is no, this is all happening now. This is all cool. That's the only thing I think of for why it's being published right now. Superman just painted white streaks in his hair. Yeah, he was going for the Polly Walnuts look to bring it back yeah. to the Sopranos from earlier. Yeah, he put wings um, in his hair. I I think one other guess I'll throw out there is is that what it, you know how um, Williamson teased that all these villains were going to be involved in this oncoming Great Darkness crisis or whatever you want to call it, right? We saw images of uh, the Upside Down Man and Eclipso. I I wonder if these Al Ghouls can't get tossed into that mix also. And that maybe they come come down the pipe later as part of the 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 grander DC narrative again and not and not a run in action, uh, uh, an arc in action. Since you um, since you brought up the Al Ghouls, am I wrong in saying that the this is the coolest dark multiverse Batman analog that we've ever seen? Yes, and my eye when I first saw that they were going to the dark dark multiverse to a to a different Earth in the dark multiverse, my eyes rolled out of my head initially, <laughs> and then it really quickly won me over. Because they are the coolest, like the designs are cool. The way they kind of talk and conduct themselves among one another as a family is interesting. Um, yeah, I, I was sold by the end of this, um, for sure. I, yeah, true, true statement, Zach. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. But like you said, Vince, when they initially were like, oh, it's the dark multiverse, I was like, <laughs> fuck, man, it's Scott Snyder just wrapped this stuff up less than a year ago. Can we give the dark multiverse a break, please? <laughs> right. For the and love then they of double fuck, down yeah. by bringing in the Tempest Fuggernaut himself. <laughs> no, no. So the it was a, a different Fuggernaut. It, it was himself. a different Fuggernaut. It was a, it was a, it was a, I actually have in my notes, I believe this is a lesser Fuggernaut. Um, is it landfill fucking exactly yeah because because there there are other i I, I, I want to like there are other watchers this this isn't watu right yes yes i do want to mention somebody gave us shit not that long ago on twitter saying you know it's pronounced fuganaut right like of course we know that yeah it's hilarious to say tempest fuganaut and we're (laughs) like if you think for one second I'm gonna give that joke up in the sense in the in the <laughs> to be right to, to be correct, like fuck you, man. No, Tempest Fuganaut is one of the five funniest things we say on this show. <laughs> Any regularity. So didn't, we're gonna... didn't didn't I even point out in an earlier episode that it's actually Fuganaut? I'm pretty sure I did. Probably, but somebody yeah, recently uh, brought it up again, and I just want to say fuck that guy. Unless you're a pa- <laughs> unless you're a patron, in which case all is forgiven. But. <laughs> But Fuganaut is funny, and we're sticking to it. Anyway, yes, I don't believe this is Tempest. I believe this is a different Fuganaut. Oh, man. This is Cosmo Fuganaut. Cosmo? 
He just bursts in the door. That's yeah. <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing a deep fake of Tempest fucking fucking out in Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, what's the dog multiverse? What's this about? <laughs> Cosmo Fugginot at the Laugh Factory. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, you broke me. Oh, I am just goo is pouring out of my ears. I'm done. Oh, fuck me. Um, Yeah, I have lost half our audience with this shit, but I don't care. I don't care. Whatever. Um, um yeah i i gotta say another dark multiverse bruce uh revealed at the end sure is pushing it but could was anybody supposed to be surprised were we supposed to be surprised by that no there's no way right there's no way i almost kind of half wondered if maybe it was damien and like these were damien's kids Mm. but of, of course it's bruce it's fine yeah yeah I mean, um, whatever. It's whatever. It's yeah. It is what it is. But what what'd you guys um, think of the art? I like. I mean, I the Temple Smith stuff I thought was really fun and interesting. Yeah. The the Herstein stuff I think was kind of just. It wasn't bad. It was just you know it was kind of serviceable for that side of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Temple Smith stuff was really interesting. Temple Smith stuff gave off one of my favorite New 52 books, which is uh, Gotham by Midnight vibes. Mm-hmm. He was on that book for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that and it was even good. funny how they even kind of like commented on like, we, you know, we look weird. <laughs> we look weird here. Yeah, yeah. Which was fun meta stuff. There's a lot of good meta stuff in here, especially like the Midnighter versus Batman stuff. I feel like, uh, yeah, Temple Smith even like played that up at times more more than he usually does, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one character thing that that carry kind of carries over from Morrison's uh, Authority Mini that I that I really love. I'm really enjoying it. Is how. Midnighter is kind of like nonplussed about superheroes and and Batman and Superman and Apollo like kind of fanboys that yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that dynamic. It's a good way to it's a good way to highlight that they are essentially Batman and Superman in like a meta way. Part of the thing that I don't like about Wildstorm characters being in the DCU is that you know, those characters are all analogs for characters that already exist. Right. But I think if you have a little fun with it like that, it, it helps. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. With um, that. Co- coming off of the, the Superman and the authority, you know, Morrison stuff. I feel like Kennedy almost does more of like a Hickman thing by kind of upgrading enchantress into being a they they call her a living multiversal teleporter mm. which is like feels like very reminiscent of like manifold and in hickman stuff um 
which is a very interesting use for her character, I think. Pretty, pretty big upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of putting her on almost like Flash level, which is interesting. That's um, a great point. Yeah. Yeah. She's, I, she's, I, she's always stuck in that, like, um, even if she wants to be a hero, she's a villain because she ends up being corrupted and her, her magic, uh, you know, somebody, somebody corrupts her and her magic takes over or whatever. And she, so often she's stuck in that kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is better. Yeah. I just, sorry, I sorry, really Brian. like this team a lot. Yeah. Go, go off, Brian. No, I was going to say that I actually think that that makes her a much more interesting part of this team than we had her in that mini. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it sort of levels her up in terms of, uh, you know, her, her power and her purpose for this team. So, yeah, I, I thought this was really good. Um, I have nothing but but enjoyment for it, from my experience of reading it. I still don't exactly know why it's here, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Any other comments on it? No, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I actually kind of expected to not like this, um, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, uh, next up we have Dark Knights of Steel by Tom Taylor and Yasmin Putri. Zach, why don't you start us off with this one? Um, I liked this. The art was very good. And kind of coming into it, as far as like the Tom Taylor stick goes, this already is much more interesting. You know, coming into things like Injustice and and Deceased, I I liked those books in spite of uh, in spite of themselves. You know, because they're very much like the tropes that they're dealing with are, are kind of very much things I'm not interested in. Whereas like medieval fantasy is something I instantly am here for um and so him working in a genre or or you know a a space that i'm already kind of interested in has me more interested that that said this is very much just more of the tom taylor stick you know of different versions of characters we know in in events that are somewhat similar but a little a little different in this case you know kind of a lot different because the time frame is different um so overall i I would say i enjoyed this but it didn't blow me away what i enjoyed about this is excuse me that laughing so hard has like made my throat all messed up now um is that i think that one of the things that taylor is really good at is subverting your expectations in ways that 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 seem like how can i put this so like for instance when we saw the rocket leave krypton i wrote like oh when are we going to see the pearls from bruce's mom being murdered right like that's just those those are like the two things that you see in these comics but then to have the family in the rocket about to give birth like oh that's okay that's that's a fun inversion of this right and so i feel like there's a lot of there are a lot of little takes like that that i there aren't huge moments but just make his worlds feel really different and really special in a way so i thought this was a really fun first issue from that perspective 
But I can tell you, I'm not going to think about this comic until the second issue comes out. Like, I, I think it's good for what it is, but this is not necessarily like what I want out of all of my comics. This is fun. It looks beautiful. The art is really, really nice. And Taylor had some fun ideas within it. But I'm also not the biggest sword and sorcery guy. So I feel like this is not the genre that I would want to see necessarily an alternate tale take place in. So unlike Zach, that's not a selling point for me. Not that it's not that I'm against it. It's just not, you know, my, my particular cup of meat. Um, but yeah, this is fine. Vince, what do you think? Meat. That's a Bob Dylan line. That's, 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 that's from Quinn funny. the Eskimo. Jumping cues and making haste just ain't my cup of meat. Um, there is one thing in this that really annoyed me, but I want Vince to speak his piece first. Yeah, I didn't like this very much. Um, I think I, I wanted to like the premise a lot when it was first announced. I was like jazzed for it, and um, I like the idea of it. Uh, the art was great. I'll give it that. Like, it's a really nice book to look at. Um, the character designs are great. Uh, definitely fitting for the I think the the sort of high fantasy thing taylor's going for i almost wish the the writing and the structure of the story was more baroque than it is you know um for being a medieval fantasy pastiche the dialogue is fairly informal um the kind of like relationships of the character of the characters while like remixed a little bit just aren't, I don't know. They're, they, they, they don't, they don't ring as medieval fantasy to me. It's almost like, it's almost like these characters are still who they are in their modern. It's almost like they're in disguise on a different earth or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, um, I think some of the inversions, like like uh, Lara and Jorel being in the escape pod, that did pique my interest. But then she like lands and immediately births Kalel, <laughs> and like just some of the choices that were made in this first issue just came off as very silly and and not necessarily in a fun way. Like the like spoiler alert: Jorel being shot in the eye with that arrow at the end. <laughs> was just the way that it happened was very silly very like oh i actually i liked that part i think uh, really it, it yeah. i did not have the impact that was intended i don't think on me um it came off as like a like a goof and i don't think it was supposed to be <laughs> um oh, vince just thinks casual murder is a goof yeah, it's crime is funny to me. I'm the joker. <laughs> He's the joker. Um, Bruce, Bruce, like b- being the adopted son of the L's, but then like you, you realize why that is, or, or there's a little wrinkle that makes it, you know, uh, less an adoption and more a <laughs> uh, biological thing. Um, Jorel Horny Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just. <laughs> He just, oh, this joke doesn't work because it's not Martha Kent. I was going to say he just gets his Martha's mixed up, but. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, nevertheless. <laughs> nevertheless. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I suppose that's an interesting twist, but 
I don't know. But is not, it though? <laughs> not, I, right, exactly. Like, like yeah. now Bruce with powers. I don't know. I like. Yeah, it's just not. I I wanted one thing, and I there are parts of it that are kind of that, and that that was actually like the least interesting explanation for where I thought they were going with the whole like Bruce having powers, thinking he had like dark magic or something in him. You know? Yeah. Right. That much less interesting overall, I think. Yeah. And honestly, you know, anytime somebody writes a fantasy story these days, they reference uh, Game of Thrones, right? And I that is the most like Game of Thronesification of this story, where like there's a secret affair that happened that changed the the alchemy of the familial structure here. Um <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I I wanted to like this a lot more than I did, and and it it came off as I I wanted a like high fantasy epic mixed with romance, whatever. And what I got, I felt was like cotton candy fluff version of that. It, it did feel like a slight first issue, I think. Yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting world building going on here with like the green man, which like, I, I just, I'm very interested to see where the green lantern stuff goes. Um, the, the stuff with the Robins, um, Constantine, like being the prophecy boy, which I did that, that prophecy was the thing that irked me the most because it had Constantine giving the prophecy in word balloons, but then it also had the the same words in the same panel, but in like frilly narrative boxes. And that like, that, that made me unreasonably annoyed. I think <laughs> I was trying to figure out why they were doing that. Like I, I thought there was going to be some kind of payoff. No. And there was, there was not. nothing. Yeah. I hated that. I, I was just like, why? I agree with that why did you do this it almost comes off as like an editorial mistake i don't think it yeah i don't don't think think it was was. but but that that's where my mind went while reading it yeah it it just pulled me out of the whole thing because i was having to read the same thing twice for no reason for no reason yeah one of the things i thought was interesting about this is um i didn't expect this many characters to show up here like when you think about it, there's probably twelve or so DC characters that show up here between all the Robins and uh, Green Arrow and Green Lantern and all that. It's I, I just expected this to be more of a like maybe the Trinity characters, maybe another character here or there. But I was a little bit surprised at sort of the the scope of this, and I think in a way that could make it both more fun and less interesting because I I hope it's not just like oh hey look at look who's here. Look who's here. It's this guy now. Here he is with his wife, Carmela. You know, it's just it's a um, it doesn't. I don't know if there's a reason for all those folks to show up or if it's just because that's because just to sort of make it more. Does that make sense? I, I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if it's if it's quality or quantity here. It definitely seems like Tom Taylor really likes Dinah and Ollie. And I would love to get him on a on a book with those two eventually um like an in continuity one yes um because he's used them really prominently in everything he's ever done at dc um they were big in deceased they were big in injustice 
They were big um, in um uh there was something else he did, wasn't there that they were in? Was he? I don't know. The maybe I was thinking of deceased. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, anything else to say about this? I mean, I'm really interested to see where it goes. I just think that I almost kind of wish the first issue had been longer. Oof, when do we ever um, say that, too? I know, right? I, I yeah, I wish it had been oversized. Wow, okay. Anyway, let's move on to our final book of the week, Human Target, number one, written by Tom King. It's it's fitting that we have a Tom King book in episode 300 here uh, and illustrated by Greg Smallwood. So I'm going to say I didn't hate this. Same. I I would go a step further and say I liked this. Um, I think I liked it. I, I, I think if I if I was able to divorce myself from who the writer is, <laughs> I would say I like this, but I just I, I feel like I know what's coming. And so therefore, I uh, I have a hard time, you know, admitting that. That is the thing, isn't it? But I, I will say, as far as you know, as far as ones of these things go, you know, these prestige twelve issue things. That it's funny how we're we're talking about Tom Taylor and Tom King, Tom King in the same episode because they are two writers at DC who kind of have carte blanche to just do whatever they want, mm-hmm. and they typically do these limited, out of continuity stories, and that are very, both in both cases just always them very much on their bullshit. Um, and uh, that's very much what this is, but it it's the best one of these that I think King has done in a long time. I'm waiting for Vince. I just I'm just waiting for Vince to uh to come in with his uh, comments here. Oh well, norm- normally you say uh, Vince. No, but, but um, yeah, yeah, but I just feel like uh, I I wanted to build some anticipation here for your comments. I can't believe there was a week where Tom Taylor and Tom King released books, and I like <laughs> the Tom King book more. <laughs> uh-huh. I can't believe it. Um, now I'm 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 gonna reserve saying that I like Tom King's and Greg Smallwood's The Human Target until I read a few more issues because I just, I, I am not willing to Trinity myself over a, a Tom King book. I'll Trinity myself anytime <laughs> over anybody's book. <laughs> it's, it's like one third of the fun I have in comics anymore. It's just getting unreasonably excited about a single issue. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. That's why we love you. Um, but what I will say is I really enjoyed this first issue. And I think I have said this before about a Tom King book, I'm sure, but he is avoiding some of the annoying ticks that are usually present in his writing. Um, I don't think we got a poem or a song in this one. I could be wrong. We did not. I was looking out for that. The only thing that approaches the regular Tom King bullshit, I think, is that the especially the beginning of the issue, and it's doing this with a purpose. It's doing this purposely to obfuscate things and confuse the reader because it's a mystery that you don't want them to be able to solve in the first six pages, right? 
the the one bullshitty thing he does is there's lots of di- there's lots of um clipped dialogue where you only get a bit of what a character is saying and they do that like literally a dozen times because it involves like every member of the JLI right do you, you know what i think about this though that i think is really cool mm-hmm. that i hope happens it, it's this is a 12 issue mini it's over this this thing is over 12 days Mm-hmm. I really hope when we go back and look at this that like each issue is like one of these days being represented. So like when we get to issue, you know, uh, issue two, we'll have that. Don't worry about me. I'm already deadline. Yes. You know? Yep. And yeah, as like I, a I, teaser I think of like what's to come is very cool. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a very clever way to approach this series, and, and I think we're gonna also get each each issue being a different member of the JLI in the spotlight with him. And that's pretty fun too. My biggest gripe with this is just that I feel like every Tom King story that we've gotten in the last couple of years has been not about death in the way that all superhero comics are about death, but just like this, this and strange adventures. And to a certain extent, uh, Mr. Miracle all just feel like it's they're all king's extended mortality riffs and rorschach and rorschach to, yeah. to a degree yeah uh, and, and i just feel like i you know i understand that writers have themes and that you have sort of periods of, of you know like i mean i'm not fucking going to compare them to picasso and say this is blue period but like i understand that there are people who who get into a groove and are exploring certain themes i just feel like these books haven't been different enough to justify four versions of the same, uh, you know, the, the same story, three versions of the same story, whatever. So I just, I, I wish that this was a little bit, that this wasn't just the next in a series of Tom King death books. But I think this looks like the best and most interesting of those since Mr. Miracle, for sure. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing I'll say. A lot of this is going to hinge on how he writes the JLI, right? Oh, yeah. Like, if if he if he shows up to Booster Gold and gives him the 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 Tom King Booster Gold treatment, uh, it's going to tank this book for me because I don't think he's written a very good Booster Gold before this. You know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of these characters, some of them he hasn't touched before. You know, uh, Batman of course was in the JLI, so he'll get another chance to write Batman. Um, it's all going to hinge on how he writes these characters. And if he turns them into the most annoying versions of these characters imaginable uh, that just, you know, repeat their wacky catchphrases or whatever he has them do, it's, it's going to be a problem. If, if he's really thought this out and, and writes them as layered versions of the JLI of the past, which is definitely the aesthetic that the book is going for, then I think he he might have something here and he might have me for, for 12 issues, um, which is, I never thought I would be saying that. So it's just going to hinge on how the next couple go. I think all that's fair. Um, and, and I, I want to point out to our listeners that I think for all of us, we don't want to hate any comic. We want these all to be amazing and we want to have such good stuff to say. And so I'm really glad that we can look at a Tom King book and still think it's going to be okay. 
without 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 being just, you know, Charlie Brown going to kick the football every time that here's the next Omega Man. And then we keep, you know, we keep getting just <laughs> just uh, the football kicked out from under us. So I, I think that this is a fair assessment. And uh, the last thing I want to say is that I, we have had so many. I mean, going back to the early 2000s, we have had so many books attempt to do the JLI again. You know, whether it's um, I can't believe it's not the Justice League, whatever that book was called, the that um, that brought back like the Boahaha Justice League or then uh, Justice League Generation Lost, which I just reread uh, last week, or then the Justice League International book in the New 52. Like, but I feel like each of those books has not really been able to capture what makes the JLI special, but they've all really gone all in on trying to. I think that. Judd Winnick got the closest with Generation Lost. Um, but I hope that King doesn't try to replicate the old JLI because I, I can't imagine anything worse than King trying to do Bwahaha stuff. That said, I also don't want him to make it into the grim, dark, depressed JLI. I don't know what I want him to do, but I don't want him to do either of those things. Zach, you got anything else? No. Greg Smallwood. How about how about oh Greg good. Smallwood is yeah, we should talk about the art. The art yeah. was incredible. Yes. I, I love his Lex, especially. Yes, mm-hmm. his Lex is excellent. Um yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that Tom King consistently gets paired with excellent artists. And I wonder if his um if his reputation would be different if he was paired with lesser artists. Well, I wonder if his rep- reputation would be different if he didn't win an Eisner, like one out of every two times he's nominated. <laughs> well, you yes. know what I mean? Like, yes. like, like the artists, the artists, first of all, the artists are winning him these Eisners. In, I, I don't feel like I'm uh, out of bounds saying that, that they're integral to that, but now it's a self-fulfilling uh cycle that like artists are going to pair up with Tom King to possibly win Eisner's. Right. I don't think oh, that's being unfair to anybody. I don't think so either. Although I wonder I wonder if if the Eisner has that much cachet outside of like people who write for comics websites. I'm not saying that Greg Smallwood hitched up with Tom King on this book to win an Eisner, but I'm betting Greg Smallwood would love to win an Eisner. Oh, of course he would. Of course he would. You want to be able to, I mean, DC and Marvel obviously care or they wouldn't put stuff like Eisner award winning so-and-so like on their trade dress. Mm -hmm. It, it has some cachet because I think even just like for the layman to like see an award on like on a book and be like, Oh, that's good. They won an award, you know? So Mm-hmm. A major exactly. award. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you for listening to us. Uh, go on for an extra long 300th episode. Not planned. Just worked out that way. The books uh, were just good. When that when it happens, it happens. Absolutely. Uh, Vincey, what's coming out next week? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's just never any lead up to it. Okay. It's, it's the I, end of the episode. Wait. I have it. We have an hour and 20 minutes lead up to this. I have it. I have it. I have it. 
Action Comics 1036, Batman the Imposter 2, Batman Urban Legends 9, Black Manta 3, Future State Gotham 7, uh, I Am Batman 3, uh, Justice League Last Ride 7, Pennyworth 4, Robin and Batman number 1, Static number 4, Superman vs. Lobo 2, The Joker number 9, Titans United number 3, and Wonder Woman 781. Uh, we got to figure out what we're talking about for next week. We, there's yeah. a couple of, of no-brainers. We got to debate the rest of this. Robin and Batman. Yeah, and uh, Action Comics. Action Comics. We'll talk about it off here. They can't know. It's fun to, for them to know. No, it's the <laughs> surprise. I think it's fun to, for them to not know. All okay. right. Well, it's regardless. <laughs> We're doing, we're doing Seinfeld. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an F. I'm at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is uh, currently finding a way to edit Tempest Fogonaut into uh, that comedy store <laughs> for our for our Patreon subscribers. <laughs> uh, go to go to DC3cast.com for more on the Patreon. And thank you for listening for 300 episodes. It's kind of crazy. We've been doing this for that long. But uh, it is crazy, you know, but here we are. And uh, th- thank you guys for listening. This is truly one of the best uh, parts of my week. Every week is hanging out with Vincent Zach and doing this. And the fact that anyone listens is icing on the cake. But thank you very, very much for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. I can't tell if there's just a little hole where the chip was or if there's still a piece of chip lodged in there. This is like when my dog has a tick and I think I got the whole tick out, but there's a little bump there still. Yeah. I don't know if that's like the residual effect of the tick or if that's a piece of the tick still. Exactly. Yes. So your mouth is like my dog's ass is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. What? And that you tongue <laughs> both of them? <laughs> Gladly. <laughs>